The Twins' bullpen dazzles in a series-opening 4-2 victory over the Boston Red Sox. Gio Rochella with a super clutch hit. How Gio's come through all year in spots like that and the significance of the bullpen starting to turn it on as a group together. It's all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Twins. You are Locked on Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Monday, August 29th. And I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thanks so much for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Again, this is Nash Walker, Season 3, hosting a daily podcast on the Minnesota Twins, Season 4, writing about the Twins at TwinsDaily.com. That was a, a good win for the Twins. They're four straight. The bullpen, the significance of the bullpen we're going to discuss today. And then Gio Rochella's impact on this team. Looking back on that trade as well, the Twins made shortly out of the lockout here as we uh, we near the end of August. And we've had a, a decent sample of both Josh Donaldson and Gio Rochella. So let's start with the bullpen. This bullpen, after the trade deadline, I felt had high upside. You add Jorge Lopez, you have Yolanda Ron, Griffin Jackson's had a really solid year. Michael Fulmer added to the mix as well. The emergence of Caleb Thielbar in this second half as a shut-down left-handed option has increased that ceiling even more for me. And I said, I made a, a bold statement out of the trade deadline. I felt that this bullpen is now a strength of the team, that it should be a strength of the team. And I think nights like tonight are a good example of that. This Red Sox team is eight games out of the wild card. Their season is essentially over. They're done. But their lineup is still tough. Like Tommy Pham to Verdugo to Bogarts and Devers and J.D. Martinez and Trevor Story. Those are tough outs to get. This is not a, a Kansas City Royals rookie lineup, which even those guys can be tough sometimes as well. This is a, a lineup that is filled with guys who have competed in the postseason, who were in the American League Championship Series last year, who have long track records of success at the big league level, of MVP-level production in some cases with Devers and with Bogarts and even J.D. Martinez for that matter. So that's significant that they were able to hold this lineup down to two runs, even if the Red Sox have been kind of dead in the water for the last couple months, it feels like, and especially the last couple weeks. But still, I mean, we've seen the Twins lose that game plenty this year. It doesn't matter who they played. They lost that basically that game to the Angels in Anaheim. We've seen them lose that game. Why I'm excited about this bullpen, and I've, I've, I've talked at length about the stuff in that bullpen, but I love the matchup ability that Rocco Baldelli has now. To go to Duran in the seventh for the middle of the order he's able to do that before if he does that let's go back to June if he does that in the seventh you got Caleb Thielbar with a six ERA he's having a terrible start to the season and you have Emilio Pagan and Tyler Duffy in the back end if you already use Jackson the sixth and you decide to use Duran in the seventh for the heart of the order with a, a two-run lead what do you do in the eighth and ninth they had to use Duffy and Pagan because those two Duffy is now off the team and Pagan has been demoted. He should be off the team, but he's demoted to a sixth inning role or a fifth inning role, whatever his role is. They're able to go to Duran there and still feel comfortable and have options in the eighth and ninth. Like, oh, we can go Jax or Fulmer in the eighth <laughs> to set up for Jorge Lopez, who's having a tremendous season as a closer. And I think that that was important for 
Lopey as well to have a quick one, two, three, ninth inning. Hasn't been easy for him as a twin. I'd say their worst loss of the season was probably the game Gio Urshela hit that three-run homer and they lost. They went up 10-7 and lost that game. But a close second is the Angels game in Anaheim uh, a couple weeks ago. That was that was really bad, and Lopez was kind of at the heart of that blow-up. So it's good to see him get back on track a little bit in these last couple outings. Uh, his stuff is is incredible. And Yawan Duran, he's a show. He's a show. You You pay a ticket to see this guy. He is... Chills, chill factor with him. I mean, what a year. What a year for Yuan Duran. I did not foresee this happening at all this season for Yuan Duran. I thought, you know, he could be a weapon out of the bullpen. He could be a high upside option for them. Maybe not in his rookie season, but, you know, in the future, solid year this year, step forward. No, this is one of the best relievers in baseball right now. And his stuff has never looked better. At the end of August, he's 103. He threw... I think I counted at least three fastballs at 103 tonight. He threw a splitter at 100. That was the fastest recorded off-speed pitch in Major League Baseball history per Josh Kalk. Aaron Gleeman tweeted that out. Incredible. I mean, he is so, he oozes with talent. Just oozes with talent. And these are the types of moments when you look back. Like Think about the 2018 trade deadline. People were upset. The Twins traded Eduardo Escobar to the D-backs. You know who they got? Yohan Duran, who's now a key part of this team and a key part of the bullpen for the future. He's under team control for five more seasons after this. I know relievers can burn bright and fade if he stays healthy, which is a big if he's had some elbow problems, you know, had elbow problems last year. He throws strikes with it too. Like he's, he's just, he throws strikes and he's nasty and he has great off speed stuff to go along with it. Yohan Duran, he's a shell. I tweet out every, you know, when he has a great outing, he is the team's fireman. He's been the team's closer this year. He's been a setup man. He's been everything they've needed him to be this year. Just sterling, sterling performance from him tonight in the seventh inning, mowing down the Red Sox lineup. Xander Bogarts is one of the best hitters in baseball, and he made Xander Bogarts look like a double A second baseman. Like that was, that at bat was super impressive, super impressive. And the bullpen tonight, as a whole was super impressive. So the upside of that group was something I was excited about after the trade deadline. And we've seen it in spurts, but now with Thielbar in that fireman role as well as a left-handed arm, you have Duran and Jax and Lopez and Fulmer, and you can mix and match these guys and McGill too. You know, McGill's an option as well, throwing a hundred. It I still feel like if this team is able to get into the tournament, and it sounds like Tyler Malley is tracking for a return this weekend as well, they have some upside in the group. If Buxton comes back and you have Correa and you have this bullpen, they have upside in this group to make some noise, but they got to keep taking care of business now, just keep winning. Uh, Gio Urshela, let's talk about Gio, what Gio's brought to this team, that trade. Let's look back on that trade and how it looks right now as we get uh, close to September after this word from NHTSA. If you think it's okay to drive stoned, it's not. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen, right? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different, drive high, get a DUI. You not only put yourself in danger, 
but everyone around you. That's a word from NHTSA. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Gio Urshela, overall line is very similar to what it was with the Yankees last year. And I know Yankees fans thought that was a very disappointing season just overall. They made the playoffs. They lost in the wildcard game. But for the Yankees, if they don't win the World Series, it's a very disappointing season. He actually is, compared to league average, he's been much better this year. But entering tonight, 267 batting average in 2021, 267. On base percentage this year, 310. Last year, 301. Slugging percentage this year, 426. Last year, 419 for a 736 OPS. This year, it was 720 last year. But he's 16% better when you compare him to, to the league average. So entering tonight, he has a 112 OPS plus, which is 12% better than league average. Last year, he was 4% below league average at 96. So it was a, by definition, below league average season for him offensively last year. But I think what he's brought, he's clearly a part of this family the Twins have been able to build. I think having Correa, you know, from Puerto Rico, there with Jose Miranda, also from Puerto Rico, they have that bond. The infielders are extremely close. Urshela, Polanco, Correa, Miranda, you have Buxton in that mix as well. We heard about it all in spring training. We heard about it out of spring training. The, the vibe in the clubhouse is so much better. And yes, I do think that winning has a lot to do with that. We haven't heard about great clubhouse vibes when the Twins were struggling as much as they have recently. Um, but I do think Gio's a big part of better team morale this year. How much does that matter in the long run at the end of the season? Like, is that going to help you win games? We'll never know. But I think Gio has been a net positive for the Twins this year. And when you look back at that trade, Gary Sanchez is disappointed offensively. Defensively, he's been better, I think, than Twins fans expected. But he was brought over to be in that timeshare with Ryan Jeffers. And now he's in that timeshare with Sandy Leone. I didn't expect Gary Sanchez to to revert back to being you know some superstar hitter. He never really was that. He was very good right out of the gate. Extremely talented. Big time power. But it's been a couple years since Gary Sanchez has posted like solidly above league average offensive numbers. So I didn't expect that out of him. I was excited about Gio, though, because when you look back at Gio's 2019 and 2020 seasons combined, he was awesome for the Yankees. They loved him. Like Yankees fans loved Gio Urshela. So I was excited about him coming over um, just to get, I mean, a little bit of a change is good. And, and ultimately... That trade can't be evaluated just in who the Twins got, who the Yankees got, right? The Yankees got Donaldson and Rortved and Isaiah Conner-Falefa. The Twins got Gio Rochelle and Gary Sanchez. The the biggest part of that trade is that the Twins got rid of Donaldson's contract, which made them able to sign Carlos Correa. There's no salary cap. You know, they, they thought at the time they might be better off with both, but Donaldson's had a poor season, like objectively been a poor season for Josh Donaldson. Got scratched tonight. His overall line on the year for the Yankees. He's got two and a half wins above replacement, still playing good defense at third, but hitting 222 with a 310 on base percentage. He's slugging 384 for an OPS plus at 99. So he's below league average offensively this year. Again, two and a half wins above replacement. Been good defensively. He's a good third baseman. Watching Gio, the eye test has checked out with Gio that he's been he's been good over there. And and the numbers, the outs above average, the defensive run saved, they're not in his favor. I don't know if there's been that big of a difference, though, just watching it. And also, Donaldson had to DH so much because of his legs and because of his age. And Gio's out there. He's the only twin who has not been on the injured list all season. I think on their from their opening day roster, I believe he's the only twin who has not been on the injured list. 
I believe that's right. So he's been durable. He's been out there every day. He's been able to play third. He's pretty steady with the bat. And then he'll come through with big at-bats. He knows how to get hits. He's a veteran. He knows how to just put the ball down the right field line on a nasty pitch from John Schreiber with two outs. Nasty with the bases loaded. Man, he got he pushed that ball to right field and just flared it out there. Just flared it out. He knows how to put the bat on the ball. I think there have been times this year where Gio is too focused on bat on ball and like could stand to pull more. But mostly in those big spots, just fantastic for the Twins this year. And they've needed that because Correa hasn't done it in those spots very much. Buxton hasn't done it in those spots since the first couple months of the season. So they needed somebody to do it. And Gio Urshela has come through in some high leverage spots. Entering tonight, so it does not include does not include that double. Hitting 303 with a 329 on base percentage, slugging 540 in high leverage spots, 85 plate appearances. That was those numbers were certainly go up after the bases clearing double tonight to give the twins the lead. Uh clutch hit, and then the bullpen shuts it down. I mean, what's what's the formula at times? You need timely hitting. And you need a bullpen that closes things down. I mean, Dylan Bundy wasn't very good tonight, but it was okay because they got that big hit and Bundy got out of some jams and they got clutch hits and they shut it down with the bullpen. So it made a bunch of sense uh, that they won tonight because that formula often wins. Aaron Gleeman tweeting, Gio Urshela is now hitting 312 with a 558 slugging percentage in high leverage situations, totaling 28 runs driven in in 77 at-bats. So imagine where they'd be if you took away those at-bats from Gio Urshela and just spread them across you know, other parts of the roster. They'd be in a much worse position, I think, because he's come through in some big spots. Now, they've lost some of those games. Like I mentioned, the worst loss of the season was when Gio hit that home run to give them a 10-7 lead, and they lost. That was... That happens. That happens sometimes. Um, but it's been fun to watch him, and it's been fun to have him on the team. I mean, Brandon Warren said it on our Lockdown Twins postcast much earlier this year. A lot of winning teams have a Gio Urshela, and it's a problem if Gio Urshela is hitting like fourth in your lineup. It's a problem if he's hitting even fifth. But if he's batting sixth or seventh in your lineup, usually that shows you have decent depth, and against left-handed pitching, uh, gives you some some of that flexibility as well. This game was managed aggressively on both sides. Alex Cora went to Rob Snyder against Caleb Thielbar in a huge spot. Thielbar struck him out and that allowed Snyder to stay in the game for Franchi Cordero. That came around because Snyder struck out against Griffin Jack. So this is, it all sets up for the later innings, but Cora managed aggressively. I think he's starting to feel the pressure of this season. Like they need to win. It's, it's now or never, and it's now or never for the twins as well. So you see two aggressive managers tonight, Rocco Baldelli, Pulls Nick Gordon, goes to Kyle Garlic against the lefty. Garlic strikes out. You're like, oh, no. And then Cora goes to his best reliever, the best reliever in his pen, in John Schreiber in the fifth inning to get Gio Urshela with the bases loaded and two outs. That was managed like a playoff game because both of these managers, both of these teams, feel the pressure at the end of August. The Twins need to keep winning. They need to keep winning. They need to keep winning to stay in this thing because the schedule's not in their favor uh, outside of the eight games against Cleveland. They got to play New York. They have the toughest remaining schedule of those three teams in the Central, so they need to win these home games against a team that's solidly out of the playoff picture now, eight games back of the wild card. And for the Red Sox, they're eight games back of the wild card. Like this is the Boston Red Sox. They don't they don't go down easy like that. Cora's going to try his best in the final six weeks to try to get them going, or at least right now to try to get them going and get them into the a semblance of of the race. So it's fun to watch. This is why 
this is the best time of the year if your team is in it because every game you wake up and, and you know like that's a big game that night. And I can't even tell you how excited I am to wake up on the Cleveland game days and, and the Chicago game days as well. This is super fun. This part of the year, you get past kind of those dog days. The early part of the year is slower. It takes a little bit to get into it. People are, you know, school gets out. People start going to the games. Weather warms up. Then you get into August and September. If you're in a race like this, Every single night matters. Every single inning matters. Every single out and pitch matters. And you saw that tonight with the way Baldelli managed this game in two different ways. Going to garlic there, pinch hitting, and and having to use Caleb Hamilton for an at-bat, like knowing that that would be a possibility with Jorge Polanco unavailable, clearly unavailable tonight, knowing that would be a possibility. He still did it. He still went to Kyle Garlic. And then going to wander on in the seventh inning against the heart of the order and the highest leverage spot, you know, against the, the three toughest hitters in that order, managed aggressively and, and managed well. Like that was managed well. I loved the Duran decision, the Gordon decision. It's a little early, but again, that's aggressive. Like these these guys are gonna be aggressive. These managers are going to be aggressive right now. They know this is crunch time. It is now or never for the Twins. And they feel like Garlic's a better matchup against lefties. He has been all year and in his career has been super tough on lefties. I I do think at a certain point, it would be nice to integrate some of these platoon bats against lefties. Get Nick Gordon. Trust him a little bit more. Trust him like you trusted Max Kepler in all those spots. Like Kepler gets a lot of opportunities against lefties. He's shown you a lot more that he can't hit them than Nick Gordon has. So if you have an option, and I think they like to keep Kep because of his defense, they keep him in the game because of his defense, and he made a a great diving catch tonight as well. So shout out to him for that catch. They like to keep him in the game for his defense. I wonder if there are spots, though, where if it is Kepler or Shella, Gordon, if it would be better to just use Garlic for Kepler instead of Garlic for Gordon because we've seen what Kepler does against lefties, and it's not pretty. And there's a a high likelihood Nick Gordon will never be able to hit lefties either, but there's a chance he's better than Kepler. And if he's better than Kepler, you want to get him those reps. You want to give him that opportunity to be better in those matchups and and maybe sub out Kep instead. But again, it's it's often a defensive decision, and Kepler's been the best right fielder in baseball this year by outs above average. I I bet he gets another another out above average for that catch tonight uh, that would put him at 11. So I get it, but... I just would like to see that maybe a little bit more. I understand why that's the decision. Integrating some of these guys against both handedness can't hurt for the future as well. You can kind of build for the future. This bullpen is exciting. This was a good win. To win Dylan Bundy starts is always a great thing. I think Bundy's name carries more weight than his actual season line. This is about what you expected from him. You know, mid four ZRA, fifth starter, not going to go very deep into games. Pretty solid the first and second time through a lineup, not the third time through the lineup. This is what you expected from Dylan Bundy. He ain't as bad as Matt Shoemaker or Jay Happ were last year, and they expected to get a mid-four ZRA from both of those guys. Um, He's done his job. You know, he's done his job for the most part. His last 13 starts have been solid, mostly. Um, So it's good to win his starts as well. And I mentioned Tyler Malley. Sounds like Tyler Malley is tracking to start this weekend in Chicago. And I tweeted this out today, but these would be his next four starts. If he returns this weekend, if he returns Friday, these would be his next four starts. White Sox at the White Sox, at the Yankees, home against the Royals, at the Guardians. So three out of four series and the Royals series is important too. I mean, like I said, every game, every series is important. Those are big. You need Tyler Malley for those. 
and you need your big three. You need Gray, Malley, and Ryan. You need them intact. You need them healthy down the stretch to give you the best chance to win um, against Cleveland in this division, against Chicago as well. I know the, the White Sox, it seems like they're done, but they're only three and a half games back of the Twins. Like They could be a couple good days away from getting right back into this thing too. It's still a three-team race until the Sox are eliminated or whoever's eliminated, the Twins it could be. Things change so quickly. You know, the Twins were four games four games back, swept by the Astros. Now they're one and a half games back, and, and it feels like it's a whole different ball game. Literally, it's a whole different race, it feels like, uh, in just a couple of days. And we have six weeks of it left. So buckle up. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Twins your first listen today on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. We'll be back tomorrow night with a post game. Join me then. Follow me on Twitter at NashWalker9. Follow the show at Lockdown Twins. Thanks so much for listening. Go Twins!